Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. That's awesome. Aren't baptisms fantastic? I love watching people get baptized. It's so good. Them declaring their faith in Jesus Christ and their desire to follow Jesus is so good. Uh, One thing I didn't announce, if you've got kiddos here today, we love kiddos. Goodness gracious. So there are churches all over the place that would love to have the disrupting sound of children in the service. So we are blessed to have kids here today. It's so good. And... If you're finding your kids are getting a little squirrely and they're really wanting to move, we've got a couple of solutions for you. So there's a room right there with windows into here. Hi, there's somebody in there already. Um, You can go hang out in that room. It's got a feed. You can watch and it's got a sound feed in there as well. Uh, We've also got the nurseries open. It's not, it's like the no lifeguard on duty type thing. So parents, you got to stay in there with your kids, but there's a live feed down there. So you can watch the service from there. Or you can just wander back and forth in the foyer because there's TVs there as well and you can hear the service from there. So lots of options. We don't mind if the kids are a little rambunctious, but if you see they're starting to get a little too squirrely, you can take them into one of those options there. All right. Well, today's a good day. He is risen. So good. I love hearing that. It's so good. It's so good. I love Resurrection Sunday. I have difficulty at the Good Friday service because I'm just so excited about the resurrection. I've got to keep reminding myself, you've got to hold back on Good Friday a little bit. And I did. I did hold back a little bit. But if you were here with us for our Good Friday service, uh, you know that when we talked about the death of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, it is everything. It's everything. The death and resurrection of Jesus is at the center of all of eternity. It is everything. We celebrate Jesus' death on Friday, and we remembered that in real time, the death of Jesus would have been a horrible tragedy. As the disciples watched, as the people watched, as everyone, as as Jesus' own mother watched him crucified, it would have been a horrible tragedy. But God took that terrible, terrible day And he turned it around for good. He redeemed it to save the whole world. It was God's plan that Jesus would go to the cross so that everybody could be saved. By Jesus' sacrifice, all of our brokenness was put on the shoulders of Jesus. It was beautifully illustrated here and spoken about here in the idea of the exchange of clothing. Did you hear Caleb talking about that? Back in the Old Testament when David and Jonathan exchanged clothing, it was a, it's the same thing. Jesus has given us all of his righteousness, all of his holiness, all of his goodness, and we've given him all of our brokenness. He took it all for us. So the death and resurrection of Jesus is at the center of all eternity. But if we get stuck on Friday, if we get stuck only looking at the cross of Jesus Christ, if we don't think about the resurrection, then we are a lost people indeed. The resurrection is where Jesus proves his power to forgive. He proves his power to give life, all because he was able to conquer death by rising from the dead. Here's the thing about Friday, though. As we look back briefly at Friday, the thing about Friday is that the enemy of our souls thought that he had defeated Jesus. Satan believed that he had killed God and that 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 was the end of the story. Satan believed that the cross was the end of the story. But God had other plans. 
There's a story that's told about a tour group that went through the Louvre Museum in Paris. Now, if you don't know what the Louvre is, it's a famous art gallery. You can look it up later. It's spelled really funny. Uh, but uh, it's this famous art gallery in Paris. And in that art gallery, uh, there is a painting called Checkmate. And the story goes like this. There was a tour group going past this painting called Checkmate, which is a painting made, uh, painted by Friedrich Moritz. And uh, it's up on the screen behind me. The painting shows a man playing chess with the devil. And from the look of it, the devil is one. The devil sits there with a contemptuous look while the young man looks forlorn at his defeat. And for years, this painting, this, this painting is known as Checkmate. It seemed to depict the loss of a young man to the devil. I don't know what the wager was, but it's a terrible thing to lose to the devil. If you don't know chess terminology, checkmate is when, you would, when you've defeated your foe in chess. You say checkmate. That means it's, the game's over. The game is over. The, the play is done. You have either won or lost, depending on what side of the board you're on. This painting is simple. The young man has been defeated by the devil. Well, in the story, this tour group going through the Louvre Museum passes by this painting, and in the tour group, there happens to be a world-renowned chess master. And he's looking at the painting, and the person who is tour, their tour guide just simply says, this painting is called Checkmate. The young man has just lost to the devil. It's an interesting painting. Let's move on. And the tour guide and the group moves on. But the chess master stays, and he examines the scene. After a while, the tour guide realizes that not all of his group is with him anymore, so he goes back to find out what's happened, and he finds the chess master still standing in front of the painting called Checkmate. The chess master looks up at the tour guide and says, the painting is wrong. The tour guide says, what are you talking about? I've been giving this tour for years. What do you mean the painting is wrong? And the chess master says, well, it's not wrong, but the title is wrong. There's one more move. The young man is not in checkmate. It, it looks really bad. I'll give you that. It looks terrible. In fact, it looks about as bad as it can get in chess. But the young man can win this board. And if I was in control of this board, I would be able to beat the devil. Even though it looks bad, I could win because the king has one more move. Isn't it interesting, all through Scripture there are stories about God where God seemingly has his back up against the wall, where it looks like God is, is, is imminently going to lose the battle, but God proves that he still has one more move. There's some stories in the Bible. There's a story early on in the Bible about Abraham and Sarah. They're promised a child. God says, I'm going to build a nation through you, Abraham and Sarah, and you're going to have a child, and I'm going to build this great nation through you. And they were nearly 100 years old and had no child yet. And then they received the promised child, Isaac. The Israelites were leaving Egypt, and they were trapped with the Red Sea in front of them, and Pharaoh's army barreling down behind them, and they looked around, and there was nowhere to go. There was nowhere to be saved, and then God split the sea, and they escaped on dry land. The Israelite armies of Saul were about to be conquered. There was this giant man named Goliath that was standing in front of the, the Israelites saying that you guys are all like dogs. 
And they were about to be conquered until God gave the victory over to David over Goliath. Elijah was a prophet who was prophesying to a a lost and a deaf nation. Nobody in the whole nation of Israel was following God anymore. And there was Elijah all by himself. And there was no good happening that day until God sent fire from heaven to light up a sacrifice and turn the tide against the false prophets and the nation of Israel woke up. Ezekiel looks out at a valley of dry bones, nothing but dry bones. And the dry bones represent the hopelessness of Israel until God breathed life into the dry bones and they rose up a mighty nation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown into a fiery furnace. Surely they were going to die until God led them out of that furnace, unharmed and untouched by the flame. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den, kitty kibble for sure, until God shut the mouths of those lions and Daniel emerged the next day unscathed. I could go on telling story after story after story of people coming to a place where they thought they were defeated, only to find out that God still had one more move. And often it was a move that nobody expected. Of course, the greatest example of this is the death and resurrection of Jesus. I want to take you back for a moment to last Sunday. Last Sunday, we celebrated the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Pastor Amy preached a fantastic message about the various faces in the crowd that surrounded Jesus. Some in the crowd were curious and they were seeking. They were excited to see what Jesus was about to do. Some of the people in the crowd were pretenders, opposers, and even scoffers waiting to see Jesus fall. And others were committed, but ready to bolt if things didn't turn out the way that they wanted it to. Pastor Amy had a stand. If you were here last Sunday, she had a stand at the end of the message to to be able to say, this is where I'm sitting at, or standing at. I'm with this group of people. And when when I stood, I stood at the end because I recognized I was carrying some disappointment in me. There have been some things in life, especially recently, that have not turned out the way that I've wanted them to turn out. There seemed to be amazing things that happened and then stopped happening. There were, there were, there were people finding Christ and then they didn't find Christ. And then there was just stuff. And I, I just was carrying disappointment in me that the things that I had hoped for had not yet come to fruition. Now listen, I'm committed to Jesus. I'm not going to bolt because the things didn't turn out the way I wanted them to, but I still carried this disappointment in me. There were some things that just have not turned out the way that I was hoping they were going to turn out. And I know that I wasn't the only one standing in the room when, when all of a sudden Amy said, if you've been disappointed or you're carrying disappointment, stand. It felt like half the room stood at the same time. Likely there are some people in this room here who also carry some disappointment over things that we would, had hoped that God was going to do this differently. We had hoped that things were going to turn out different. We had a different expectation. And I know these last couple of years have been hard, and we could try to blame all of this on COVID, but, but actually, this unsettling time, I don't think COVID caused this. I think it was kind of underneath the surface all the time, and COVID just exposed some brutally difficult things. And each of us likely have places in our life that feel a little, little disappointing, that we're not quite in the place in life that we were hoping that we would be, The things have not transpired the way that we had hoped they would. 
For those people at the triumphal entry who were committed to Jesus until things went sideways, well, that moment happened as Jesus was arrested, he was crucified, and he died on that cross. This was the category that many of the disciples fell into. They were following Jesus, but this was not the game plan. The disciples, including their ringleader, Peter, were willing to follow Jesus into victory. But Good Friday brought Jesus defeat, and that was just too much to handle. Now, after the events of Good Friday, here's how the story goes, following the death and burial of Jesus. John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. I, I just, this is a total rabbit trail here. This is just really fun. So oftentimes when people are writing books, especially around this time period, they wouldn't put their own name in the book. Nowadays, we put the author's name on the book in really big, bold print, but they wouldn't do that. So the Gospel of John, we know it was written by John by a lot of the things that are in there. There's little hints and clues in the Gospel of John that are in there, but John never refers to himself. He doesn't ever say, I, John, wrote this. He often just says things like this, the one whom Jesus loved. I'm the one that Jesus loved. Isn't that great? I love just his audacity in that. I'm, I'm the one that Jesus loved. So here, he he's, points this out, that he's the one whom Jesus loved. And then, not only that, but he says him and Peter are running for the tomb, and, and he beat Peter. Isn't that good? That's so good. All right, well, back to the story here. Both were running, but the other disciple outrun Peter, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had re reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Now, look at this line. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So look at what's happening here. Look at what's going on. The disciples are grieving. So it's now early Sunday morning. That's where we're at, the first day of the week. Early Saturday morning, Jesus died and was buried on Friday. All day Saturday, the disciples are somewhere, possibly together, and they're grieving. We call Saturday Holy Saturday. It's a day that's supposed to be just a day of lament and grief. The disciples spent all day Saturday grieving, and now it is early Sunday morning, and they're still grieving when they get word back from Mary that the tomb is empty. They believe Jesus' body has been stolen. They don't know that he's risen from the dead. That last line in that passage, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. The body's gone. So they're not only grieving that their Lord Jesus has died, now they're grieving somebody has had the audacity to steal his body. Who would do that? Who would do that? And so they're doubly grieving now at this new news that his body, Jesus' body, is gone. So look at what they do. The very next line is so revealing here. 
John 20, verse 10, then the disciples went back to their homes. Well, see you later. It was a fun ride, but it had to end sometime. I guess that's it. Let's keep in touch. Have a good summer. Bye. Like, I think the disciples are just done. They're done. Not only has Jesus died, but now his body's gone too. They can't even go and and properly mourn. They were just done. Their hopes dashed, their leader dead, and now his body missing. Time to go home. Little did they know that the king had one move left. Though they had all gone home, it seems at some point during the day, they must have gone home, and at some point they went, maybe we should get together one more time. Because right away in Scripture, it says that they, they gathered back together again. They gathered back on that same day. So they went home. Maybe they were lonely. I don't know what was going on. I do think that possibly it was fear. I think when they got home, they realized, oh no, I bet the officials know where I live. And I saw what they did to Jesus. Not only did they kill him, but now they've stolen his body. I wonder what they would do to me. And we know they're afraid because Scripture is about to tell us that they're afraid. Or it did already tell us that, that they were afraid. But they gather back together at some point. They lock the doors. And they, I don't know what they're talking about, but they're together. And here's how the passage continues. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Now, there's another gospel that talks about how when he walks into the room, they all freak out because they think he's a ghost. And that's pretty awesome, too. I think that's great. He had to eat something first. And they're like, okay, well, maybe he's for real. They were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Jesus' body was not missing. Well, it was missing, but it, it really wasn't missing because he wasn't just like taken away. He's alive again. He's come back to life. What a fantastic moment. They were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Of course they were. They'd been grieving already for two full nights and a whole day and and partial of of other days. They'd been grieving for so long and now the disappointment of dreams dashed and hopes dashed were all gone. Jesus was alive again. Now you can read the next little section, the next few paragraphs yourself later at home when you get home, Uh, but we're kind of going to pass over that for a moment because Jesus visits with the disciples on that Sunday, but then he leaves or does something or something weird happens because the next passage of Scripture, Peter and some of the other disciples are all alone. So Jesus is gone. He's not with them right now. And it says that Peter and some of the other disciples are hanging out together again. And maybe they're talking about what went on or talking about these last couple of days. Whatever it was, Peter gets up all of a sudden and he just says, I'm going out to fish. I'm going out to fish. Now, you may remember that a while back, like at the beginning of the Gospels, when Jesus was first calling the disciples to follow him, Jesus and Peter have a little bit of a conversation, and some of the other disciples as well. And Jesus says to Peter this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. See, these disciples that Jesus was calling at this moment, they were fishermen. And Jesus was saying, I want you to stop your occupation. I've got a different calling for you. There's something new that's about to happen. You're no longer going to be fishermen. You're done. Your fishing days are over. Now I'm going to make you a fisher of men. It's a whole different calling. It's going to be different. It's kind of like what you've been doing, but it's going to be wholly different. But here we see Peter doing what? Going back to what he had done before. And it seems he was about as good as it was. It seems like he was about as good at this point as he was before at his fishing. If you remember when Jesus first ran into him, Peter had spent all night fishing and caught nothing. And here again, at the end of the Gospels, Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. And he goes back to his old occupation and he catches nothing. He catches nothing. Now, I've heard it said that a bad day fishing is better than a good day doing anything else. But this is a little bit absurd, don't you think? He's gone back fishing and he catches nothing. And then Jesus shows up on the beach. But they don't know it's Jesus yet. I don't know if there's lots of people walking back and forth on the beach or just this one lone man, but they don't realize it's Jesus. And Jesus calls out to them, and they have this conversation. He says, have you tried the other side of the boat? Now, this is not like an ocean liner where there's this giant gap from one side to the other. Like, I understand if you're on a giant ship, over here there might not be fish, and over here there might be fish, but this is like a, a boat probably this wide. There's no way that there's a bunch of fish on this side when all night you've been casting on this side. And Peter and the guys, they were fishermen. They would have known, hey, why don't we try a couple of times on the other side if we're catching nothing over here. But Jesus said, have you, have you tried the other side? And they're like, whatever, dude. And they toss the nets on the other side, and there's so many fish in the net that their nets start to strain under the weight of them. And at that moment, they realize it's Jesus. Now, they've seen him at least once already, so it's not like this is the first time, but they go berserk. It's Jesus. They pull in the net. The, the, the disciples are like paddling like crazy. Peter jumps in the water to swim to Jesus. It's crazy what happens. They all get back up on the shore. They count their fish. They have a little breakfast. It's beautiful. It's this beautiful moment of just having breakfast on the beach with Jesus. But then Jesus takes Peter. And he says, I need to have a heart-to-heart with you, Peter. We need to have a conversation. Now, you may know that when Jesus was arrested on Good Friday, Jesus was taken to a sham trial. And when he goes to that sham trial, Peter follows him. And he's there in the courtyard where the sham trial is going on, and people ask him, hey, are you one of the disciples? He's like, nope. Are you sure you're not one of the disciples? No. Are you sure you don't know Jesus? I don't have a clue who this Jesus is. Peter denies Jesus three times. And here we have this heart-to-heart between Jesus and Peter. John chapter 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these other people? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? love me he answered yes lord you know that i love you jesus said take care of my sheep the third time he said to him simon son of john do you love me peter was hurt because jesus asked him the third time do you love me he said lord 
you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times Peter denied Jesus. And Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? There's this beautiful opportunity for some healing to happen in Peter's soul as Jesus gives him opportunity to step into this. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, yes, yes. Peter's reinstated in this moment. But did you see what else happened here? When Jesus first called Peter, he said that you're going to be a fisher of men. That was something that he could understand. There was something, like he was a fisherman, and while being a fisherman was, was quite a bit different, there was kind of an understanding there of what's going on. But now when Peter is reinstated, Jesus says, I'm going to make you a shepherd. I'm going to make you a shepherd. That was altogether different. Peter would have had no idea, other than like there were sheep around. Like about as much of an idea as I know what it's like to be a rancher. If Jesus showed up today and said, Greg, I'm going to make you a rancher, I'd be like, pardon me? (laughs) You've picked the wrong guy. And this must have been what Peter was thinking. A shepherd? I can't be a shepherd. I have no clue what I need to do to be a shepherd. That is totally different than anything I've ever done before in my life. Yep. Peter, I'm going to make you a shepherd. It is a whole new calling because this is a whole new season everything was about to change see jesus had died he'd risen from the dead and he was about to go back into heaven releasing the holy spirit to come and live within his followers this was a whole new season coming and peter was being called to do something completely different than he had ever done before and while the first part of peter's journey was amazing this next part was going to be out of this world Peter thought he had been there and done that, and now it was time to go fishing again. But Jesus says to Peter, you ain't seen nothing yet. Now, you might be sitting here today thinking about the good old days when stuff was happening and things were sparking and it was good. And it was good. There have been some really good old days. Some really good old days. You might be thinking that it's over now and it's time to go back fishing again. But you ain't seen nothing yet. And even if you're sitting there and you're disappointed that things haven't turned out the way that you had hoped they were going to, and man, it looks different today than I thought it was going to be, and my hopes and dreams, they're not not coming to fruition. Things are not happening the way that I wanted them to happen. Well, hold on to your hats, folks, because you ain't seen nothing yet. And you might be thinking that the best days are behind us and maybe God doesn't know what he's going to do next and, and this crazy world, it, it's, it's going to get crazier and, and, and there's no way that God could possibly do what he needs to do to save the world. But have you forgotten that God does his best work when everybody thinks he's done, but he still has one more move? You ain't seen nothing yet. And when you put all these things together, God is still making his move. He's inviting you into a whole new season. And I wonder if we could begin to imagine just how good it's going to be. So I'm going to invite you to do something with me today. On the ground, kind of scattered on the, on the inside, uh, on, the, on these aisles. If you kind of, some of you look underneath your, your, your chairs, there's little pads of paper and pens. Kiddos, you've got a little paper on your 
uh, clipboard. Pass those around to the people around you. Just kind of pass around those papers. Make sure that people are getting papers and stuff. There's a couple, there's another set up here yet. So look around, grab some papers, send them around. Pastor Amy is watching to see if anybody needs some. I think Pastor Amy and Pastor Nate will make sure that those get filtered out to people. We've got a stack of them up here. Pass them around. Make sure everybody gets a piece of paper. And I'm just going to give you a minute to get those passed around so you can, you can hear what I'm about to say to you, okay? All right. So if you don't have a piece of paper yet, get one in a moment. We're going to be moving around so you can move around. You can grab a piece of paper in a minute if you don't already have one. What I want you to do is I want you to take a moment to listen to Jesus. And I think Jesus is going to highlight to you some expectation that you had about how things would turn out that haven't turned out the way you thought they were going to turn out. Or Jesus might highlight to you something from the good old days that you've been hanging on to, that you've, you've been thinking, man, the good old days were good and I don't think they'll ever be good ever again. This is, man, why is it not like it used to be? Jesus might highlight to you a dashed dream or something that hasn't turned out the way you had hoped it would or something you're still praying for to come true. Something you're hanging on to that, man, you've been hanging on to for 20 years or more and it just hasn't come about. Whatever that past experience was or that hopeful expectation is, would you be willing to be brave today and give that to Jesus? Would you be willing to give it to Jesus now, I don't know if what you've experienced in the past or hoped for in the future is something that Jesus is going to do again. It's quite possible that what you're hoping for, if you're hoping for the salvation of somebody, or you're hoping for a healing, or you're hoping for something to change, some circumstance, it may be that Jesus wants exactly what you are hoping for and that it's going to happen. It may be that way. It might also be that Jesus is saying we're going to do something different. This next season is going to look different and you can't hang on to what was before. You've got to let that go and move forward. Jesus might want exactly what you want or he might be giving you a new calling. But would you be willing, whether it's something that you think Jesus wants or whether it's a new calling you're going to get, would you be willing to give those things to Jesus, whatever they are? So here's what we're going to do. You're going to take that piece of paper. You're going to listen to Jesus for a moment. Whatever he brings to mind in this space Whatever he brings to mind in this space, I want you to write down that past experience or future hope on the paper that you have. We're going to put these things, there's tape on the back side of the tomb here, little pieces of tape. So I want you to take those things, stick them, uh, stick the tape to them and stick them up on the tomb up here. Okay, so don't do it yet because you're going to take a minute first to listen to Jesus. But we're eventually going to stick these things up on the tomb. This tomb represents all of our hopes and dreams everything that we are, all of our past expectations, all of our future hopes, it represents giving these things to Jesus in the hope that either Jesus will resurrect some of these things and bring life to them, or Jesus will exchange it and give you a brand new calling. So Pharaoh's going to play some music for us for a couple of minutes. I think I've got it written down on the paper there. We're also going to be taking communion during this time. Okay, so you're going to wait for a minute, listen to Jesus, write down on that piece of paper what he's put on your heart. 
Then you're going to come on up here. You're going to stick it on the tomb. Grab communion. You don't have to wait for all of us. We're not going to do this as one big group. You can do it with the people around you. You can do whatever. Grab communion. Take communion. Head back to your seats um, and just chill out for a while. Okay? So we're, we're going to take just about two minutes to do all of this. Listen to Jesus. Put your expectation, your hope up on the tomb. Grab communion and head back to your seats. Once it's all kind of settled out, the worship team will come back up here uh, and we'll, uh, we'll get together in our last song together. So hopefully I've made this clear. I don't know sometimes whether I've explained things well or not, but it's up on the, the board. Hopefully you know what you're doing. If, uh, if you need a paper still, there's still a stack of papers up here. But why don't you guys take a minute, listen to Jesus, write it down, and as soon as you've heard from Jesus, come on up to the front and get it down up here. So my blessing for you today is this. As God is doing the work that he needs to do in you, some of the things you've written up here, maybe there's some resurrection life that's going to be breathed into something you put up here. And you're going to see something change. And it might not be today or tomorrow, but you're going to see something change. And so I bless you to be able to be in a space to be able to see God's work, hand at work, as resurrection life comes to some of these things. But there's also the possibility that he's changing seasons for you. And something new is coming. So I bless you to know when the season is changing. And there's some stuff from the past that we need to move forward from to be able to see an amazing, amazing future. So I bless you to be able to be in the space to know when he's calling you into a new calling. I want to do something here that's a little bit different at the end of our service here. The reason God is doing these things, whether he's breathing resurrection life into stuff or whether he's calling you into a new season, the reason he's doing this is not just for you. It's for your neighbors. It's for your family and for your children that we just sang about. It's for the people around you to know his goodness. For the people to hear the gospel and, and step into salvation. For people to, to receive deliverance and healing. For things to change in this world. And so do you guys know where your homes are from where you're standing right now? Think about where's your house from where you're standing right now. Some people live over there, over there, over there, over there. I want you to turn towards where you're living. Actually, turn that way. I live that way. Okay? We're going to sing this blessing one more time. And I want you to put your hand out because God has called you to be in your neighborhood. So I want you to think of your neighbors, the people that live around you, the people that are in your sphere of influence. So turn towards your house, put your hand out towards your neighborhood, and let's sing this blessing again, okay? Here we go. Lead us in this. God, we pray that you would not just bring resurrection life to the things we've put up on this board, not just put a new calling in our hearts for what you want to do in our world, 
But Lord, that our neighbors and our family and our friends and our co-workers, they would experience your truth. They would know the gospel, that they would give their lives to you and experience salvation, deliverance, and healing. God, would you use us to affect our neighborhoods and our workplaces? God, would you use us to affect our classrooms? God, would you move in this world and would you move through us that the hope of the gospel, the truth of your death and resurrection, Jesus Christ, would be spread throughout the peace country. May you be honored and glorified, Jesus, and we submit to you all that we have and all we are, and we look forward to seeing the next move that you've got. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. We love you, Holy Spirit. And pray these things in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Blessings on you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ, and then make him known.